Okay, we're gonna do the count. Okay. One, One two, two, three, three four. four. What claps. <laughs> that was great. Nailed it. Feels good. Yeah. We're done now, right? Yeah, yep, that's, that's it. That's, that's the, the podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage. I'm joined in person today by Sylvie LeBeau, podcast producer extraordinaire, and we have some very special guests. So special. So special. <laughs> Jane Jackson, <laughs> VP of People and host, co-host of A Better Workplace. Hello, Jane. Hello, hello. And Colin Dinney, support associate and also host of A Better Workplace. Woo! And look at all of us, IRL. Yeah. This Woo. is very exciting. Four. Four? Four of us. Four of us. I just said four. Yeah, that's, this is senseless. <laughs> this is absolutely senseless. It's good, it's good, um, it's good. Well, we have an exciting episode. We're gonna be talking about how a better workplace got started, learnings from a better workplace, how you produce a great podcast, getting comfortable, getting vulnerable, tons of awesome stuff. But first, I think we have to go into the classic question. Gotta do it. Yep. What's got you talking too loud? So Jane, what's got you talking too loud right now? Right now, what's got me talking too loud is navigating the insurance systems. I had wow. like a nice basement flood. I've got three insurance companies I'm dealing with. <laughs> I'm moving to a new place. So that gets me really uh, fired up on the phone. I mean, I know the details of the flood, but can you give people a little bit more context <laughs> some, to, some color to, to the what flood? actually happened here? Because it's such a crazy story. <laughs> So uh, we were scheduled to move and at three o'clock in the morning, our doorbell is ringing incessantly. And it's me and my wife, two women, doorbells ringing at three in the, <laughs> three in the morning. Yeah. Not like, like, nope, yeah. not a great signal. <laughs> yeah. So Jess goes to the door and she's, you know, she's going to figure out who this is. I've got my phone ready to call the police if there's somebody <laughs> bad at the door at 3 a.m. Because yeah. they're just not stopping. Yeah. So she opens and the fire department is like, hey, we got to get in your house. There's flooding, water main down the street burst. So they're like, can you let us in? So she goes down to the basement to let them in the back door instead of coming through our place at three in the morning. And she goes down two stairs and I hear, oh, shoot. Mm. And there's like water up all of the stairs except for those two stairs. So she goes back out to the fire department folks and she's like, I can't get down there. I can't open the door for you because it's flooded. So a whole squadron of firefighters come in, go down the basement, turn off all of our utilities, get the back door open. This is insane. Wait, so we're talking like six feet of water, eight feet of water. Like how much water is down there? It's probably the high point was like three, three and a half okay. feet. It settled down to two and a half feet, okay. but like Late ruined. Cool size. Yeah. yeah, ruined all of our mechanicals. There was oh. some mystery substance in it that was really like smelled like turpentine. Nope. Mm. Somebody's like, gonna walk out of there like the Joker. <laughs> yeah. and like, hello. <laughs> and they're like, we can't pump I'm you. I'm sorry, out. we're laughing, Jen. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is thin line. It's yeah, a thin yeah, line between yeah, comedy yeah. and tragedy. No, it's all good. They're like, we can't pump you out, so you can call these people in the morning. And we're like, I mean, what are we going to do here? So yeah. we've just spent the last two weeks trying to like clear it out, deal with insurance, and uh, get moved. And we're moved, but we still got to get the the old place back up to snuff. Were and you planning on moving or did this? Yes, okay. we were. Our so house, this wasn't like it flooded. Oh, that makes now it way we, worse okay. actually, yes, right? Because like, we are under agreement for buyers and they're expecting a pristine home mm -hmm. and now all of their mechanicals don't mm -hmm. work. So mm -hmm. Well, and didn't you have like all your stuff packed up and ready to go in the basement? We had most of our stuff packed up for showing the place. <laughs> oh, jeez. But I've mm -hmm. had a this human basement me. in yeah. the past and so I have like 
paranoia about water getting into stuff. So we got a bunch of the sterilite, like uh, weather tight packing, and most of our things just floated. So That's I have pictures amazing. of them floating. And That's we, something you would get too loud about. Yes. Totally worth oh, yeah. it. No, totally worth yeah. it. Well, I mean, if you're listening at home right now or watching this, <laughs> yeah. I would say get take, that, get, get that, get that <laughs> yep. sterilized yep. stuff because that you just want your stuff to float in a flood. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what we all want. You we think got, it's not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Like we all need to be a Noah's Ark yes. to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah. to be in Ark mode at yeah. all times. Ark mode. <laughs> we always need to be in Ark mode. I love it. It's amazing. Um, well, I'm sorry that happened, but I'm glad yeah. that you're navigating the insurance industry. That sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Colin, what's got you talking too loud right now? You know, I had one, which I still want to get out there because it's just a general <laughs> PSA, but <laughs> I did get another idea from Jane. Insurance. What, like, we pay all this money mm. in case something happens, yeah. mm. and yet it always feels like we got to pay some more money. You know, they, they don't want to help you. Right. Yeah. So I feel like... Um, Insurance has, yeah. has got me a little fired up. This yeah. is wow! Look at that. And Look there's some it, yeah. things that, that it feels like to me. Sorry, I don't know how, how oh, people want to come in here. I'm, I'm jumping <laughs> right in. Is there such a thing as good dental insurance? Because by most definitions, good dental insurance means you have to pay like five grand mm-hmm. yeah. for a cavity. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you got good insurance. I'm like, what? <laughs> to be clear, I don't have any cavities. Never have. <laughs> What? Shout out to genetics. <laughs> to, but <laughs> to good dental insurance, yeah, perhaps? Yeah. You know, if I went to the dentist, I would clap to that. But wow. I <laughs> but so maybe I have a cavity and don't know it. But that's like, a good way to have no yeah. cavities. We do, no yeah. cavities. <laughs> Pro tip, go to the dentist. But yeah. uh the thing that I was going to say, and I just have to get it out there, people who press the crosswalk button but have no intention of waiting until that light flips so that me, the driver, gets hit with a red light. It drives me insane. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up. You can't have it both ways. I'm glad you brought this up because in New York, in Brooklyn, where I'm from, born and raised, they do not have that push. You don't push the crosswalk. Nobody pushes. There's no button. You just go. You just go. You You mean there's no crosswalks? In New York, nobody has crosswalks. Wow, no. that's so cool. But like, so <laughs> sometimes when I go to a new city and I, I like get this moment of panic where I'm like, do I push it? Is somebody else going to push it? But I figured it out and I waited. I did wait. Yesterday, okay. I crossed. I pushed, waited till the light changed and I crossed. Well, isn't so. it also the case that a lot of these buttons like don't do anything? Like they're yes. just switching and then there's some like I can think of. There are a couple specific that crosswalks yeah. near here that yeah. actually like if you push the button it it gets a red light like instantly and then i could think really? of it. Yeah. really yeah yeah um, i think i read a stat a few years ago that like 80 percent of them don't actually do anything yeah but they incentivize pedestrians to wait do they yeah. all say even if they don't do anything do they all go wait the ones no, here. No, I don't yeah. think so. I'm like, yeah. okay. They're like, wait. Uh, I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, right. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah, uh, wait. <laughs> oh, don't sorry. know if you know this about me, but I'm a good uh, <laughs> crosswalk in person here. <laughs> the best part of this is before the show, Sylvie is just like Colin's voice. I know. Colin's <laughs> voice. And then here you are in person. I know. Yeah. Well, that's a nice segue. <laughs> um, so for our viewers, our audience that doesn't, and no, listeners. And listeners for our, our viewers and listeners are actually our whole audience. Our whole audience. <laughs> our whole audience um, that doesn't know. Can you tell us like what is a better workplace and how did it come to be? Sure. Uh, a better workplace is a podcast intended for thought leaders and CEOs and businesses and really just 
it, it has a wider uh, reach of just people to kind of peel off the lid of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Um, there is an overarching theme that work life and personal life uh, in the podcast, this is the overarching theme, that like those can't really be uncoupled a lot of the times. So I think like there's a societal expectation that you leave your personal life at home and you bring yeah. yourself Just to, you know, so, yeah. but that's kind of ridiculous because all a workplace is, is a collection of people right. who are bringing everything that they are to a workplace. So I want to allow Jane to get in there as well, but it is just a podcast that is uh, centered towards fostering these discussions and how people can start thinking about the processes to make meaningful change in their workplaces and support the people that are there. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add on a better workplace is these are conversations we have internally. These are conversations you and I were having mm -hmm. kind of here and there. And, you know, as we thought about our DEI strategy here at Wistia, one of the things we want to do is make this work more accessible to people because I think one of the biggest limiters are people are afraid to get started, they're afraid of getting things wrong. So, you know, along with some of the other work that we're doing internally, we thought, why don't we share our own journey and the things we're learning live uh, with other folks? Um, this is not stuff we're experts in, but the people we've got in the room to talk about these things have really, I, I think, changed our perspective quite a bit. And we just wanted to kind of share as we worked to learn more as we try to refine our strategy and move forward, what we were learning more proactively with folks. Can you talk a little bit about too, that you know, there's a lot of conversations about when is the right time to open up your strategy or share your numbers, or in this case, like, well, if we're putting out a podcast and we're talking about what we're learning on it, like we might be right, we might be wrong on some stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's like, can be really stressful, but instead we decided to do it. So how, how did we decide to do this and what does it feel like to be learning in public and kind of being vulnerable as, as you do it, as we do it? Because you're really representing all of us in our efforts here. I think at times it can be a little bit nerve wracking because you want to get this stuff right because it impacts people's lives. And I can think of a couple of episodes where looking back, I've already learned enough since then where right. I'm like, wow, that wasn't the right you know, perspective to take, or that's not what I should have taken away from the episode. And I think there were a couple of episodes that I think put us a little bit on the spot to do our learning live. And for yeah. me, that was a little bit nerve wracking. But I think the the flip side is, we're not all going to get this stuff right all of the time. And if we don't normalize trying, then we're not gonna move forward. If we're not learning from our failure, and certainly nobody wants to do it publicly and, you know, learn about it publicly when it's played back for them. If we don't kind of normalize the trying and normalize the process of learning, so many companies are going to keep being afraid of trying. Individuals are going to. Um, and I think it just helps push us forward and reinforce this like culture of learning, which is really important, not just at Wistia, but for any of this to get traction and move forward to a better place. It's funny when you said... Um sharing this publicly and that we're learning publicly is really important. Um, but I also think like one of the things that people forget is like the, the details won't be made public, but like a lot of this stuff ends up being public anyway, right? Yeah. Like yeah. whether or not you want it to be public, like massive failings in our society today 
Yeah. They become exposed. People yeah, people talk yeah. and people share it. And there's like anonymous forums that people can go to and like talk about this stuff. And I feel like it's it hadn't actually clicked for me until that exact moment when you're saying that of like, well, this is a way of at least saying actively like we're working on it mm. and like we're trying to make it better and we will have mistakes. Of course, everybody does. But like, I think a lot of people are afraid of putting their story out there and actually like often you're not even in control. You, it's only like, like this is kind of the only way to be in control of it to some degree. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so many times people avoid being transparent about certain things because they're afraid yeah. of the story that it's going to tell or totally. what it might say about them or their workplace, whatever. But for me, I, I have found, I mean, like being a black male in the tech space, it's, you know, I'm, I'm doing something here that not a lot of people that look like me get to. And speaking for myself, and I know that I can speak for a lot of my colleagues and, and peers, the transparency and kind of just like the, the process is a lot more important, at least initially, than the results. Everyone wants results, but, yeah. you, but you can't just be completely results-based because yeah. when people see that you're putting in an effort and that you can take a critical eye to the things that you're doing and revamping your processes and really showing people that you care about this and that you want to change it, at least for me, that's what I want to see. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't keep me on the hook for 18 months while you figure it out about how you want to support uh, people of color or women or LGBTQ plus, like all the equity seeking groups that comprise a workplace. Like, just show us that you care and that you're trying to make this better for everyone. Because like, that's the other thing is I feel like we can't really look at things as like an us and them thing. I'm Like, we're not trying to make this better for this specific group of people and this specific group of people. Like right. we're, we're all in this together, but there are things that we can do to address and support those specific groups, but uh, kind of making it a collective effort so that people feel seen and heard. Yeah. And I think something that I appreciate as a listener about a better workplace and admire about Wistia is that I feel like there's a real investment in the work. I feel like over the last year and a half, there's been this sort of like performative trying, mm -hmm. like we really care about, you know, DEI work and and it's like, do you though? Like yeah. kind of put your money where your mouth is and like from listening, especially like I'm thinking about the, the code of conduct episode, like how much work went into that? What? There's a lot of work. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, you said, I'm just thinking about it. I know a lot of work. I'm like, yeah. I'm like what's funny about yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. like, yeah, a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, it resonated for me in a way that I wasn't expecting. And yeah, I mean, like, how, how did it feel, I guess, to go through that process, specifically the code of conduct process? And like, when you think about other companies or like friends who work at other places, are you like, take a page from our playbook? Like, do you feel like proud of the work that you guys have been doing? Cause I do, <laughs> I feel proud. It's interesting. One of the things I was thinking is Savage, you and I, when we started thinking about this podcast, I, we had a conversation and I was very concerned because we have a lot to still do at Wistia. And I don't think that we're experts and I didn't want this to feel like, hey, we've got all the answers you know, work done, we've got everything, you know, checked off. I know that we don't. And I know that there's a lot still to do. Um, and I didn't want this to feel performative. And still, frankly, at times, like, I do reflect 
should we be doing this episode? But at the end of the day, we have learned so much in the last six months that we wouldn't have. And we have applied or plans to apply some of what we've learned in a way that would not have happened had we not talked to some of the folks that we talked to. Because frankly, like we would have found uh, a company to partner with on a project versus talking to 15 different guests with different experiences. And so, you know, going back to your question on the the code of conduct, um, I don't know. And we've kind of, when we rolled it out internally, shared with folks that like, this is going to be something we learn from and iterate on. It's a starting point. So, you know, we borrowed from other really great code of conducts, codes of conduct. We always mix that up. Code, or codes, codes of conduct. <laughs> codes? Codes. The codes. We're going the, codes. Yeah, from a bunch of codes. Yeah. yeah. Took a bunch of codes. <laughs> Various codes. <laughs> Open source codes. Just R. <laughs> that was a code joke. Wow. Oh, okay. oh, <laughs> <team> cut. <laughs> Text base. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? So, yeah, <laughs> let's bring it back. So I would just say, like, if you find things that feel authentic or helpful to you in our code of conduct, use it. If there are other ones, use it. I think anything we're doing to move forward on this is helpful. And what works for different companies is going to be different. Yeah, I feel like just to echo what Jane just said, it's not about framing ourselves as like the arbiter of DE&I efforts, we have not gotten it right. We're just deciding to take the plunge and do the best we can and like document the story, right. both through the podcast and like in the workplace with our code of conduct and like how we try to hold each other accountable in our, our hiring practices and uh, diversifying the pipeline, everything. It's really just about like, we're just going to do it and try our best. And we have to know that there's going to be slip ups and we're going to get things wrong and we're not going to hit certain goals. Yeah. You know? Well, I just keep going back to the beginning and then where we are now in terms of like, we, we went into this hoping we would learn a lot. And if we learned a lot, but we screwed things up or whatever, that at least like other people would benefit Mm -hmm. like other companies, anyone listening, right? right? Like, um, and there isn't, a lot of podcasts on this topic um, where there's like showing a company working through this. Right. I think because people are afraid of sharing the stuff. And so it's like, it's awesome that we are learning so much and it's changing what we're doing. Um, and also I think there's something about saying something publicly mm-hmm. that actually makes it easier to do it internally sometimes yeah. where it's like, yeah, this is really what you should be doing with the code of conduct. And if like we put out that episode and internally people were like, so we're going to do a code of conduct? We're like, nah. They would be like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, right. You just told me on why it's important. And yeah. so it, it almost is like this accountability thing. Yes. Yeah. That is, if we're constantly learning and trying to use the best practices in the show, it you almost, gotta it, do it. you got to do it. I also go back to like any good show has something that is incentivizing you to learn or do it or engage like over time. Because all these, these things take time to build and take time to learn. And I feel like in the case of a, a better workplace, it's like, it's that accountability and learning that's like bringing the flywheel right back into the business. Yep. And as we learn stuff and we do better, we'll be more confident about what we share. And it's like this amazing cycle, which hopefully is like, I mean, the podcast sounds amazing. It's super engaging, but I think it also is the type of thing that will help it like grow and grow and grow ideally. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Savage, I'm curious like what it's been like for you 
over the last year as a CEO leading a company in this space and being a part of taking on this work? Because like obviously over the last year, there's been so much pressure and expectation for companies to say something yep. and do something. And people have, but then there's the next step where people are watching, right? right. Like to, to see like, well, are they about what they say they're about? And um, I, I would imagine like when, when you are leading a company in a business, um, that there are risks involved. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to take calculated risks. Other times you have to just take it and it's not calculated or you just have to put yourself out there. So I'm curious, like yeah. for you, like what that's been like in, in your experience over the last year. Yeah. I mean, I think the last year has been hard for many reasons, but actually on this side, like I think, you know, when, when everything was going down last summer, mm -hmm. um, and companies were being asked to speak up, like I felt like fortunate that we honestly, like years ago had started work on this. Yep. Um, and I had, I knew that it was hard. I knew it was really, really hard. And I also, I get really frustrated when um, people just talk and don't act. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I've made the mistake it, earlier of like trying to say some grand thing of like, everything's gonna be solved and don't worry. And like thinking that that would be enough mm -hmm. and you know, we'd been working on the levels. We had been working so hard on diversifying the pipeline already um, and and finding pockets where it was working and finding pockets where it wasn't. And so the thing I centered in on was like, all right, the short-term reaction, which is like, everyone wants to give money to things and, you know, that's good. But yeah. like the, the real thing is like, what can you do that's ongoing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I believe in compounding and I believe that like doing the hard ongoing work is how you ultimately make progress on, diversity, equity, inclusion. It's how you make a product better. It's how you build a company. It's actually all the same stuff. Right. It's like, let me tell you about this thing I'm going to try to do in the far future. I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there. Yeah. Um, I need everyone <laughs> to believe and everyone to try. And if we believe and we try, like we're going to do some stuff that's not going to work and we're going to do some stuff that works really well. Yep. And if we're aware of that, we do more of the stuff that works well, you end up in a good spot. Um, so more is, was like, you know, I'm in these leadership groups and I, when you asked that question, that's what I first thought of. I was like, my leadership group, because yeah. there was people in that group who had never thought about it. Right. It's also like, we're in tech, like, yeah. but like a lot of these other companies are not, mm -hmm. or right. some of them are not, and they haven't had to face this down, or their company's a lot smaller. And so like, they have some diversity in the company, but it's just, their company's not changing in size that much or whatever. And like, everyone wanted to take it seriously, but they didn't really know where to begin. Right. And there was a lot of questions like, can you talk about these issues? And I think also because Wistia is independent and you know we are not public and we get to do what we want, like my take on that has been, well, like what am I gonna look back and regret? Right. Mm. I was like, I'm definitely gonna regret not saying something. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna regret not trying to do the right thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so while it's been like really challenging to see our country like wake up to these problems. Like I feel like these problems are not new. They're just like on TV, you know, it's just right. like in social media now. Yeah. And so for me, it all comes back to how do you do the ongoing work mm -hmm. and actions ultimately speak louder than words and actions are hard. So you just gotta like keep, keep doing that. And you gotta believe that like um, the people that are close and the people that matter and the people, like if people's experiences are actually genuinely like, if you feel like you can come to Wistia and you can be yourself, you could be your whole self. And to your point earlier of like work and life is intertwined, mm -hmm. like the pandemic has made that more true than ever. Right? Yes. Right? Yeah. You just got it. Like if we can let people be themselves, 
they will do better work. Or like mm. even this is just like in general, one of the things I've learned over the years is like if someone's doing really well and then they stop doing well, so often the reason why is something in their life happened. Mm -hmm. And if you ask that question, like, is there something going on? And then they tell you something that has nothing to do with work. Right. And it is the reason why they're struggling. Now they know you care and you give them the space or do whatever. That's often how people turn it around. So yeah, that's, is that an answer? I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it, yeah. no, I mean like, yes, <laughs> because, <laughs> because um, you know, I think it speaks to uh, the weight of it all because, you know, you as as a, as a CEO are, are representative of like the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And, and all business leaders and everything, it's there you are having to say something like on behalf of a company, a business, an organization right. and everything. And, and like, we're talking about work and statements and actions that are, uh, you know, Jane made this point earlier, like people's lives. Yeah. Right. These are, you know, it's not like a, a philosophy. It's not like a, a radical thought or something. It's, yeah, I and I feel like when you're talking about the leaders, your mm -hmm. leaders group, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit and I, I'm going to step it back. It's not 100% fair to roll my eyes at the fact that like business leaders haven't asked themselves these questions before. It's like 85%. I'll keep the eye roll. Yeah. The other 15% <laughs> is like everyone has their own learning curve. Um, but I feel like and maybe this is why the code of conduct resonated so much with me. Like I have worked with other organizations who I felt had a very performative stance when it came to DEI work. You know, there was always sort of like the thoughts and prayers email, yeah. right? And what I value about like doubling down on the podcast, on the code of conduct is like, that's an investment right? Mm -hmm. That's an investment from the top down. And like, I appreciate that. So even though you're still learning, even though this is like an ellipses situation, like dot, 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 like we're not done. That's an investment that's real. And I recognize that. And I've seen it contrasted. And that has fallen really short for me over the last year and a half. Like that's not acceptable anymore to be like, I just never thought to ask myself these questions. Well, like, yeah, that leadership group. I will say every person in that group was like, I need to do something. Yeah. And right. that was sweet. That right. was like, oh, they all want to make change. Right. And then the question is like, are you making change so that three months from now you feel good? Or are you making change so that like three years from now you right. feel good? Yep. And like, they're very different actions and very different things that you do. Um, and the harder route, I think, is the three year. One. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but if, when it when you actually invest, it's like anything and it starts to work and it starts to compound, it makes it easier when you're long term focused on this. Totally. And so that's, I think, like the challenge for a lot of companies is just like, how do you get on the path so that you are making progress and taking action? Um, and I mean, the podcast back to a better workplace is just like that's one of the things I love listening to it is like I'm learning stuff and I feel like the fact that we are taking people along with that journey is like, that is what you could do. Like, is yeah. like try to help other people along the journey faster. Yeah, I was just gonna add that like, when you talk about the three-year vision, I think one of the things that, like that can be really scary for people to invest, knowing it's gonna take a while to see the results. And I think one of the things that was really encouraging is, as all these other companies were starting to ramp up efforts, we were starting to see 
the results of all the work we did on making a more equitable hiring process and focusing on the front end of our funnel and starting to see that progress. So you have to keep investing and you'll see the payoff as kind of the next thing is launching. And I'm, I'm glad that we had invested and had started to see some progress because it does, you know, it feels overwhelming and you want to solve all of this at one time and it's just not the way that it goes. Well, it's like the culture is the product, right? Like it's the product for an employee. It's like you're deciding, do I like this product or not? Mm -hmm. And just like the technical product, like it takes time. Yeah. And you know where you want to go, but like you still have to build the stuff and the infrastructure and the people and the responsiveness and like some stuff's not going to work, like it's not going to fit. So it, it is this like ongoing thing. But I agree with you. Had we not been seeing some progress, it would have been, it would be harder. Yeah. And also we're operating within a much larger system than just Wistia, where if we could control all the variables, certainly we can make progress quicker. Yeah. But that's yeah. not the case. We're in yeah. a very you know, systematically advantaged and disadvantaged country. Um, and we have to kind of work to combat that in a broader sense while also focusing kind of internally. Yeah, I mean, I said this on one of the more recent uh, episodes that we taped, but I, I feel like it's worth reiterating here that like, yes, we're building out like three and five year stuff. There, there's things that you wanna see and, and measurables and things that you can anchor to to make progress. But there's definitely a much larger thing that I think is really important for people to understand. And it's that I wholeheartedly believe that if you are of adult age, that you have to make peace with the fact that you are fighting for and working towards something that you are unlikely to see in your lifetime. Yeah. You know, like equitable situations, like uh, talking about like the pipeline and stuff, for example, we can want to hire more people of color and more women in this particular sector. But to Jane's point with like systematic disadvantages, it's like, all right, well, how many of them are equipped with the resources to even build up that skill set mm -hmm. in some cases? Like you're talking about solving some deep shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, um, like there's so many layers to it. And like it's not as simple as like going to the whiteboard and, and charting out like how you're going to attack this. So, like you, you, you need people to be available for that. And then there's a deeper thing to uncover. Right. So this is all to say that like, you know, this work is also not transactional. Right. Like it's, it's not like you do this thing, you see a result. Awesome. We solved it. We right. fixed it. Like I, I hope that one day there's not a need for <laughs> podcasts like this or discussions like this and everything like that, where, where things just work the way we want them to as a society and, and people. But like, you got to get comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, it's like like everything that we're trying to do is for later, for the yeah. future, for our kids and their kids. Yeah. You know, so. Damn. That's some heavy stuff. He does this <laughs> on every single yeah. episode. Heavy stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, oh, where do we go from Cut here? now? Yeah. Like, there's nothing no, I can I add mean, here. It's, it's, yeah, it's an important point for sure. And it's like, don't not fight just because you're not going to see it. Right. Right? Like. You got you gotta. Mm -hmm. Legacy stuff. Legacy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but surprising moments, moments that were kind of like aha moments for you on the podcast. What you got? 
I feel like I learned a lot in the code switching episode with our guest, um, Brandy Blocker Anderson. I think I knew about the concepts. It's something, you know, you know happens, but just even thinking about the many different layers and how deep that goes from, I mean, just how you present it's not just your language. It's how um, dress codes can really be uh, stifling and a, and a non-productive and very, frankly, like racist or sexist way. Um, I just felt like that that episode I learned a ton from. Yeah, that felt granular, that episode, like where I was just like kind of combing through details of my life and yeah. being like, uh oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those noises verbatim were That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. And you just think of all the things that are, the rules that are and not like why they came to be or the unintended or you know, in the worst case scenario like the intended right. impact of those things, but just thinking of all these things that frankly like I have the privilege to not have to, you know, worry about how to navigate as frequently um, it was just a really helpful episode. Yeah, I think for me, there's two that jump out, but probably the one that I thought of first was intent versus impact. Because of the Star Trek thing? Because of the Star that was, Trek that thing, was, yeah. That was a big surprise. Oh, man. I, Ron, one of the producers for the podcast, seems to get a Star Trek ref in many aspects. Mm -hmm. And here he is getting a Star Trek ref on this episode. So <laughs> well done, Ron. But it's for you, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the intent versus impact thing, I think, was because I, I feel like there were so many things that I felt familiar with when we were talking about being uh, a black male in America, like microaggressions. I've experienced them. Uh, code switching. I do it. <laughs> you know, like right. uh, things like that. But the intent versus impact, I feel like, is just applicable to everyone. There's probably not a person in the world who has like, not said something to someone that made them feel badly or poorly or uncomfortable or something like that. And one of the things that we tackle in that episode is the, a strong de-emphasis, and we also, also do this in our code of conduct, a strong de-emphasis of the intent um, and a focus on the impact. Right. You know, I think probably the most common example people hear is like, you know, stepping on someone's foot. Like you step on someone's foot, you didn't mean to, and you feel bad about it, but it doesn't stop that person's foot it's from such hurting. A good, it's such a good You analogy, know, and, yeah. and it's like a, it's a simple common it example, is, but yeah. that's the thing. And so for me, it kind of made me think about, um, you know, times in my life where someone has expressed something to me about like, maybe something I said or like, you know, something I did. And, and I've thought, well, well, I didn't mean it that way. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it's almost like that non-apology apology right. where you're like, I'm sorry you feel that way <laughs> rather than I'm sorry for the way I made you feel. Um, so that was a pretty eye-opening episode because it just felt very reflective where you think of all these past experiences where you tried to prioritize your own intent mm -hmm. rather than, you know, hearing the person who you've impacted and, what you said or did and like how it made them feel. Totally. Were you like super defensive and yeah. worried about your own uh, kind of experience or what they think the of perception. you versus yes. like, yeah. hey, I should just like focus on you right this second and I can take a hot second later to think about that. But just our natural tendency to get kind of defensive or 
focus on our own reputations rather than just like engaging and listening and acknowledging it. Yeah, that one like, was a really, I liked the folks that we spoke to in that one, that was really helpful. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you think about it, like however badly you're feeling for saying it, the person who experienced it right. definitely feels worse about totally. it. You know what I mean? So Yeah, it um, made me think about, you know, the rules of improv, like you're supposed to say yes, yes and. and. Yeah. And it's like so many people come with the but, you're like, no, don't say, just build on it. Yes, and yes, I hurt your foot, and I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Don't, but I didn't mean to. Right. Improv. Yep. Lesson for everyone. Always back to improv. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how many episodes into A Better Workplace are we now? Uh, we just finished recording our 10th episode. Hey. Congratulations, Big Ten. Big Ten. Big Ten. Amazing. Mm -hmm. How did it feel? Yeah, feel good? Uh, it felt good. I think we got a couple little chunks to still re-record, especially if my recordings got lost. But it felt really good. <laughs> the difference between episode one and 10 is just so stark to me. I think as we got into it, as we started getting comfortable with all the technical stuff, as we felt out the flow, it just became enjoyable. And I looked forward to the recording sessions a lot more. So I think for people thinking about starting just start. And as you start to hear it come together and feel it, it's going to, you know, present the way that you need to go with, with the content. 1000%. I felt that with talking too loud. Totally. As well. Absolutely. Yeah. The more we get into it, the more, the more we get like comfortable and calm and it's, you start to focus on like the parts where it's learning or funny or right. whatever. And like the it, enjoyment, it, the enjoyment like, starts yeah, like the to enjoyment, come out. Yeah. You're not like trying to produce something. Yeah. You're just doing you're in it. Yeah, you're just yeah, in it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's like figuring out that dynamic too, like right. how people converse and talk and banter and yeah. all that good stuff. I was curious, because uh, we're all in the same boat here. Pandemic hits, Wistia kind of pivots to podcasts. We launch Talking Too Loud, you guys launch A Better Workplace. You're thrown into a totally different role beyond your sort of nine to five. You're podcast host for the first time. I'm curious what that was like for both of you. So I can kick it to you first, Jane. Um, and then we can, you know, Mr. Super Voice over here <laughs> can get into that. Uh, it was pretty nerve wracking. I like to be prepared for things and to have witnessed or done before I'm on the spot in front of people. So going into, I think, our first recording session, like the nerves were insane, the trying to figure out the prep that was necessary versus a little bit over the top prep uh, was interesting. Even just like the gear and figuring that all out. I think we've both lost recordings within our first mm -hmm. couple <laughs> sessions. Or like, yeah. <laughs> I think my most recent passage. one may have actually got lost <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> so uh, just like it, it's, been, it's been an interesting learning curve. I feel like a couple episodes in, you start to just feel more comfortable being yourself and like trusting that the flow will happen or it won't. There's nothing you can do to make it work or not work if it's not going yeah. to if flow. You're like in it and yeah. we've been there where we're like trying to like kind of pull with a guest and I'm, and they're like not budging. And I'm like, yeah. all right, it is what it is. But I will say, I feel like the prep and the, 
And spontaneity is coming through in a really like nice way, especially like a lot of the quizzes that you've done. Yeah, yes, I feel Jane like with the quizzes. Yeah, are so great. <laughs> we um, loved. Yeah, it's just super engaging to listen to. It is. And you're like, where where are we going with this? Like, what is going to happen? It's like a super nice setup. Um, and I mean, I I don't think that was probably like from the beginning like the plan. But it's cool right. to have that be evolving into that. Because I mean, I work with you a lot, Jane, and I <laughs> know you like to prep for things. But it's cool to see the prep and the spontaneity that it creates. Yeah. I think our interviews got better as we started to trust, like, or at least for me, go in with curiosity rather than, hey, this is the arc of the episode yeah. that we want. What are the questions to drive it this way? You just kind of like, what am I interested to ask this person? What do I really want to know? And then it kind of falls together. And I think the last three or four episodes have really just been yeah. exciting with the interviews. Yeah, really kind of felt like we hit the stride. I mean, like, I guess that's how it always goes is that like you get into something, you're doing it, and then you feel like once you're really nailing how you want to do it, then it's like, well, it's either ending, not permanently, but like, you yeah. know, like you either reach the end of a season or you, uh, that's like the last interview you're going to do. Um, but I feel like we really were able to extract some pretty deeply meaningful and thought-provoking conversations uh, towards like the most recent, I think you're right, like three, three or so. Yeah. And like, do you know that you have a voice for radio? Like you know, now it, you know? <laughs> it's funny you say that because like ever since my voice changed when I was like 14 <laughs> or 13 or something, people have been saying like, oh, you should do radio or you should like do TV. And it's funny because you never hear yourself as other people hear you. Yeah. How do you hear yourself? Uh, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, you know, Porky Pig-ish. I, no, <laughs> no. um, I mean, I guess when I hear myself on a recording, it's not like as jarring yeah. as I like for some people it is. But like, I don't know. You just, it, it never plays that way. You yeah. think you sound a certain way or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's funny because like before I went to school for music, um, I was thinking about like sports journalism in high school and everything like that. And so I guess it maybe was going that way, like in terms of like getting in front of a microphone and stuff like that. And obviously like I'm comfortable in front of people and like recording situations and everything with, with music and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so 10 episodes in, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to start making something? They want to start making a show. They want to start putting content out into the world. Um, maybe it's also maybe it's not on DEI, but it's it's on something that you're learning as you go. Like from here, what advice would you tell somebody who's kind of in that headspace? Uh, I guess I can harken back to I believe it was episode one with our guest Krista Wilson. This was specific to DEI, but I think it's largely applicable to any initiative for a business is is figuring out like your north star and what you want to anchor to. Uh, so that you can always hold yourself accountable to that. And part of figuring out the North Star is the why. Why are you doing this work? Um, why is it important? And again, this can be zoomed out of a DEI-specific case and just kind of with anything, any initiative that you're thinking about, it's like, well, why do we want to do this? How do we want to accomplish it? And what can we establish as a foundation or North Star to anchor to so that we always know how to measure and where we're failing or why we're failing? I think I would use something that you had in your question, which is that it needs to be something that you are genuinely 
curious to learn more about. If we were doing this just to create content for other people to consume or for clicks, I think it would have been very different and probably yeah. not as authentic. But I think because it's something we're interested in, something we're learning, something we really wanted to dig deeper on, I think it took it in a different direction and probably was better content than if we were really trying to do this for someone else. Yeah. So in this case, intent matters. No, but it's funny because I think that there's like, it's having multiple of the right goals. It's also like motivation. Like, I don't know if I'd yeah. call it intent. It's like what motivates you? Well, sure. But like, You're I right. Think, yeah. Okay, it's, it's both. Yeah, I think, yeah. but it's, it's more like that it's not just the, you know, the secret sauce of making something really good yeah. Yeah. is not just focusing on the audience, right? It's focusing on the inputs. It's like focusing on you both, I think, learning a lot and feeling like we're talking to interesting people and like actually being curious, right? And it's so easy to think like, oh, I have this great idea and everyone's gonna love it. And like, do you care about it? I'm like, no, I, I don't really. Yeah. Um, and like, the reason I ask the question is I feel like if you listen to A Better Workplace, you know you both care but you also know you're gonna learn something and it sounds amazing. It's extremely easy to listen to. Um, and so it's like, how do you end up doing that? I think it's like, yeah, being curious and having the right motivation, the right intent. And ultimately we're trying to figure out like, well, to you said earlier, it's like CEOs and thought leaders and people who can like influence on this stuff. Yeah. But it's like, if we get those ingredients right, you can end up making a thing that really connects. Yeah. I think the other thing I, I, I hear on a better workplace from you two, and the other thing I'd say to someone who's like making a show where they're actively learning, like both of you lean into what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like you lean into your own humility, which I think is like very hard to do, let alone publicly, right? Like you lean into it, you embrace it, and then you like take something away from that. So I would say to anybody who's making their own show and is learning, get comfortable with the fact that like, you might be kind of caught off guard at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's part of it. You're going to have bad episodes. You're going to have bad episodes. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, there's going to there's gonna be guests who troll you. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this yeah, episode. I, I got to <laughs> comb the archives. I can't now. say what the episode is. I know. Listen uh, to all the episodes of Talking to you. Know, you, know. you, know. you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. That's all I'll say. If you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess it really just comes down to, like, authenticity. Like, you, you can't fake yeah. the funk with this stuff. You like, can't fake the funk. It, it, like I want that on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fake the fun. People, Brought to you by a better workplace. There yeah. you go. Take it away. That's our tagline now. You can't fake uh, the fun. But like people are gonna know if you're not coming from a place where like I don't know where like you're just bullshitting people or like yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like people, I feel like most people, especially if you have like a target audience, they're gonna know. I feel like that is like one of the lessons here, right? Is like if you've got an hour long podcast and it's a, it's about having conversations and you don't actually like, you don't care about the conversations, guess what? No one else no is going to care either. Right. right. And I, I just want to like reinforce one of the things that you mentioned as a takeaway, which was kind of putting ourselves out there and leaning into the things we don't know. I feel like that's kind of like the most important part because you have to approach these situations knowing that like whatever you've previously believed to be true could be wrong you know, whether it's something you thought your whole life or like, you know, you're actively learning about something and you think that you're onto it. And then, I mean, I'll, I'll just put myself out there right now. Like within this last year, I have uh, learned about 
the differentiation between saying preferred pronouns and just saying pronouns. Mm -hmm. You know, like my early learning was referring to them as preferred pronouns. And then I learned later that you just say pronouns because it's not what someone prefers. It's who they are. are. And so, you know, their pronouns are their pronouns. It's not like a grab bag. Right. So, I mean, like that's, that's a learning that like has become apparent to me. And like, I think, I think it was that same episode or maybe it was offline. I can't remember, but I was talking about how, uh, there's like these questions that I hear sometimes where people are trying to like, they're on their learning journey and they ask these questions specific to like the African-American experience. And sometimes I'll answer it, but in my mind, I'm like, that's a dumbass question. (laughs) But then I felt like that person when we, like when we were talking about, I'm thinking specifically about the the gender ID uh, pronoun episode. And I'm sitting there like, I got some questions that I don't know if they're stupid or or like to someone who's, who's trans or or non-binary. Like, I'm like, I I really hope I'm not like, they're going home and being like, man, this dude, like, this guy doesn't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) They might be. Podcast host for what? Yeah. Right. But like you learn, I don't know, like that, that's it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you internalized it and you're like, all right, course correct. Yeah. You, you only know what you know. And then the whole point is to learn about it and, Keep it in the bank and, and yeah. move on. Oh, I've definitely asked some dumbass questions. Oh, yeah. It's key. <laughs> it's key. <laughs> like, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I think this is like a really great note to kind of end the episode on, but um, just this like constant learning. And that that's like clearly a part of a better workplace, but also you two bring that to like building a podcast it makes the podcast so fun to listen to and super engaging. It also just makes me really proud. Like it's, I'm really mm-hmm. proud that we're yeah, making this. I asked you guys, out to the world. Yeah. Are you proud? Yeah. He is. Yeah. I feel very proud. And like, uh, I'm just going to go for it here. Jane hates when I do this, but I'm like just super honored to work with Jane on this and like, feel like I have learned so much i feel like i've like had so much personal and professional growth from doing this with jane and so i'm really appreciative of like the whole experience and to you you and brendan for like just letting us do this thing you know what i mean like and just get out there and, and do it and not have any rules or like you know I'd, i never had the reins on just let me get in there yeah. yeah you know that's awesome well where can people listen to a better workplace wistia.com or anywhere that you get your podcasts We've got we've got it nailed. We got, we got Spotify, nailed. Apple Podcasts, wherever. This is super fun. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Thanks, thanks for you guys. Us. Thanks for doing this with us. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia, hosted by Chris Savage, produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.